0: This is Unfiltered, episode 81 for January 15th, 2014.
1: The way we use the internet could change after federal appeals courts struck down net neutrality rules. The judges believe FCC regulations over online content were overreaching. The decision opens a door for internet providers to block visit to websites. They could also slow down sites like Netflix and Google and even charge users
2: for access.
0: On this episode of Unfiltered, this week, a major blow was dealt to net neutrality when the court struck down the ruling preventing ISPs from abusing their monopolies and prioritizing some traffic over others. However, things might not be as bad as it sounds, so we'll dig in. On Friday, Obama is set to announce his reforms to the NSA. Today, the presidential review panel testified before the Senate on their recommendations for reform. And we've dug through the reports, watched the testimony, and we'll arm you with the facts before the spin goes into overdrive. Then, it's your feedback, our follow-up, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered.
3: the jupiter broadcasting studios of news information and breaking news i think i said that twice welcome again to another edition of unfiltered the show that brings you the news that you really shouldn't be watching on your television i'm chase nunis here alive and well and chris fisher's with me as well hey
0: there, mr chase good to have you back hey good. you know this is my first show of
3: the new year do wow. you realize that no because we did a show on new year's eve or it was we didn't do it on new year's day yeah we did it like we, on monday, monday that week. right yeah. i wasn't here last week because of ces right and so finally for the first time in twenty fourteen I'm actually it's, here. It's weird, I didn't think of it
0: because I feel like I just I just saw you. Well, you did. Because we were we had you on Linux unplugged this week. I was totally unplugged. I was laying yeah. down tucks and we're having a great time. <laughs> Dropping the Linux knowledge. <laughs> I know, and I actually
3: have a little bit of can you believe it? People don't realize that actually I know a little bit about technology and Well, gaming that might have been why stuff. you were
0: going to CES. That's true. Yeah, that's
3: true. And yeah. you know what? I saw a lot of NSA equipment there, <laughs> and it was
0: <laughs> no. Those are just regular cameras and Google Glass. Did you see a lot of Google Glass? Uh, you know what? It was probably uh, the highest concentration of Google Glass in yeah. any environment. Well, it seems like the perfect use case for Google Glass, where you you know got a small crew, maybe you want to document something. Yeah. It that seems like the the ideal Google Get Glass use case.
3: I thought of uh, Unfilter all week, and I'll tell you why. Oh yeah. So when I was out there in Las Vegas covering the Consumer Electronics Show, I heard of it before. Yeah, yeah, it's a very, very small show. Familiar with that? They they show off new gadgets and gizmos. Um, So we were staying, you know, at a hotel. You know, we'd flip on the TV and watch things, you know, from time to time. Oh, and the big, big phone company out there is CenturyLink. Okay. 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 And they actually offer a television service out there. Okay. Over fiber. Okay. You want to take a guess? I, you know, I should view an Ask the Chris. Do you what? want to take a guess what? of what their TV service is called?
0: Huh. Uh, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. What?
3: You're going to laugh. You're going to die. What? It's called Prism.
0: <laughs> You're kidding me. No.
3: It's a, wait, it's a fiber TV service. Well, from CenturyLink it, called Prism. It,
0: the name's catchy. You know, I got to give it to the NSA. <laughs> I,
3: I bet you, I bet you they had this like plan. And we, 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 I was talking with Joe about this. <laughs> I bet you they had this plan like months, right? Yeah. Months in advance. Yeah. And then they launched this service and they're like, oh, G- crap. It. Yeah. Oh, well, remember,
4: no. that's on
0: your mic stand too. Remember, didn't one of those uh, things yeah, in Prism a, on yeah, there? Yeah, PRSM on yeah. here. Yes. Uh, so I got something fun we're going to do at the end of the show. If we make it through the net neutrality stuff before the hour mark, okay. we're going to go into the bonus round. And There's I've a got, bonus round. I've got two bonus clips that we didn't play in the pre-show okay. that we won't get to okay. unless we make it. And we might not make it. And we then if, a- we'll play it in the post show so supporters can still hear it. But. Okay. Uh, there's some good clips. I think it's going to be fun. And one of them is The Judge, and I think that'd be a good one. Wait,
3: is he back on the air? I thought he got fired.
0: Well, no, 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 no. Uh, they just changed up the format of what oh. shows he's on. And it's not as good. He's not on with Shep anymore, but, you know.
3: Well, I mean, you know, he should be on with Shep. Maybe they can give him his own tablet in the corner that he can,
0: <laughs> <they> can actually <laughs> Maybe shoot Maybe he could from. just tweet because I believe that's all they're doing in there. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, so, but first, before we get to the uh, net neutrality stuff, there has actually been some really big NSA movements this week. In fact, on Friday, we're going to hear from uh, Obama himself on supposed NSA reforms. However, to kick all of this off, there was a... Uh you know this presidential review panel that was set up? Uh, Mike Mike Morrell, former CIA. Totally director, neutral, is on by there.
3: the way. You know this is our government at work, making us feel more your, safe and secure.
0: Uh, your buddy uh, Richard Clark is on there. Oh, oh man, right? I love and, Richard. Dick, and, uh, I call him Dick. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah, I call him DC from right. DC, and uh, so uh, and 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 uh, and a law professor and, and some other folks. Martin people's. So they they sat down in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, today or yesterday. I can't remember the timing now. I watched it all on C-SPAN and recorded a few clips of their testimony, which I thought were pretty interesting and gave us some new information. So some of the stuff you're not going to hear anywhere else, I would assume, because... Unless somebody else was staring at C-SPAN all day. But in, <laughs> in, what was interesting is sort of the overtone during this entire Senate hearing, and I, I think kind of pushed it in a certain direction, was a recent study that had just come out.
5: In the meantime, the NSA
3: reform panel that is set to testify in a rare hearing before a Senate committee today
1: on dozens of recommendations for the agency's controversial spying program. A lot of issues have been raised about privacy. And this move comes ahead of a big speech that the
3: president will give on. Friday where he says that he will reveal his reforms and changes to the NSA surveillance program. This is a very big deal. But what about this? A new study claims that the NSA has basically done next
1: to nothing to stop terror attacks.
5: Oh, yes, very much. Now, here's a little more about that review panel. The Senate Judiciary Committee took on NSA reforms today. And they heard from President Obama's own independent NSA review panel, which recently put out 46 recommendations to reform the spy agency. Some ideas include adding more transparency to the NSA's requests for data from private companies, changing the NSA's leadership structure and making changes to the top secret FISA court. A lot of these reforms will require congressional action, hence today's hearing. And on Friday, the president will lay out which reforms he supports. But the most significant question today and the rest of the week is what happens to the NSA's bulk phone metadata collection program, which has been ruled likely unconstitutional by one federal court, but upheld by another federal court. The review panel discussed the privacy concerns associated with bulk metadata collection. There is quite a bit of content in metadata.
6: I mean, when you have the records of uh, the phone calls that a particular individual made, um, you can learn an awful lot about that person.
5: The independent review panel also found no evidence that such bulk collection prevented any terrorist attacks.
0: So that's the official yeah, word. The review right. panel found that the bulk metadata collection did not contribute in any significant way to preventing any terrorist attacks. And they also admit that that metadata is valuable and that it is more than just, you know. Well, a, yeah,
3: what they want to do is they actually want to sell that information. <laughs>
0: So here mean, marketers is, love that stuff. Here is, uh, here is the actual quote of Mike Morrell, former CIA director, admitting that in reality this metadata program has not been very significant.
1: Can you give us any specific examples of how metadata program was valuable to you when you headed CIA?
6: Senator, uh, let me first say that... Uh, the reason I wrote the, um, the op-ed, particularly with regard to 215, is I felt that there was a, um, a uh, misperception on the part of the media and uh, much of the American public that, that the know. review group had indeed recommended an end to the program. Um, and we did not do that. We recommended a change in approach. <laughs> um, and that was the main reason I wrote the op-ed is, is to make that clear. They need clear. to spin
0: a new
3: story. That's what we want
6: um, to do.
0: Yeah, we didn't actually talk about this uh, uh, in a show that was on the air at the time, but we talked about it in the Supporters Only show. Um, during like the ramp up to the revealing of this panel's findings, uh, Mike Morell ran an op-ed column where he said, no, 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 we're not saying it should, the metadata should be stopped. We're not saying that. And I remember at the time we were like, why is – isn't that a conflict of interest if he's just coming out and saying that? Well, now he's claiming – I wanted to make sure the story was straight out there.
6: Um, it is absolutely true. That the 215 program um, has not played a significant role what? in disrupting any terrorist attacks what? at this point. But Chris, but Chris,
3: but Chris it might. It. So we need to continue doing this because we will catch the terrorists or terrorists. Uh, it's an know, insurance program, You know, what, Chase. You know hey, insurance program. You wouldn't drive without insurance, Chris, would you? <gasps> oh, I definitely would. <laughs>
0: All right, so uh, he goes on to say that uh, it hasn't – so he says – he just says it right there. It has not contributed. Um, It
6: has not played a significant role in disrupting any terrorist attacks to this point. That is a different um, statement than saying the program is not important. Um, The program, as I said in the op-ed, only has to be successful once um, to be invaluable. And it does carry the potential going forward to prevent – um, a catastrophic attack on the United yep, States. See,
3: insurance policy. And,
6: um, that was another point I was so, trying to make. This can't and, be used um, as a justification. I believe it. Can another it? point I'll make, um, Mr. Chairman, is that, uh, and we talked about this. It needs as a group. to come
3: back to the bare essentials. Is it legal or not? Right. Well, not it's, legal. I don't care how to you me, justify it. So it's I'm just, uh,
0: illegal. So okay. So if I'm following the logic here, even though this program, which is... be careful, you're following government logic, is likely unconstitutional. Yeah. yeah. Which which should be enough just on its own. Right. Um. And really hasn't contributed to any uh, terrorist uh plot being foiled in right. you know the eight years it has been running. Right. Um. But yet it's still essential. I'm not. I said this is where I'm not seeing the connection. I'm not. But you know what, Chris?
3: It's still going to continue because it's a, it's an essential part of uh, our acts against terror, even though it hasn't done anything.
6: Um, there is value in a negative query of the oh. two fifteen data.
0: This is an interesting concept too. So the concept he's pushing here is oh, there is value in not finding anything in there too. So when we don't find it, when the system doesn't help us find somebody, that's valuable too. Is what he's saying. It, here, I'll, I'll, I'll back they, it up.
3: A you little know, bit. It, it's, it's real simple. They just want the data, essentially. I mean, they don't care.
6: Um, there is value in a negative query of the 215 data. So if you have a terrorist overseas who is talking about an attack and you don't know where that attack is going to be, it is invaluable to query the 215 database. And if the answer is he doesn't have that terrorist doesn't have any contacts in the United States, that gives you some reassurance that the attack will not be here.
0: So the exact quote is: "It is absolutely true that 215 has not, by itself, disrupted, prevented terrorist attacks in the United States." This
3: really sets a, sets a dangerous precedent, in my opinion, because you, you can you can essentially say that about anything, right? You yeah. can say, "Well, you know, hey, we need to do this on the off chance." that this could be a problem. Like, hey, we need to strip you down naked before you get on an airplane. what if you
0: took it just to the next level? What if you said, what if, uh, you know, in another 20 years, 30 years, when, uh, you know, we have maybe holographic storage or whatever, we have unbelievable computing power, and they said, well, you know we 've been doing the metadata, but we have found that it would actually be a lot more beneficial if we had the actual recordings of the conversations because then when the terrorists are plotting, we would to have do a clear picture we, we would could know just exactly. play it in court yep there 's our evidence right there, case yep. closed yep, Exactly. and so really what we 'd like to start doing is record i mean and you know what? This is just really good to have. It's an insurance policy because we can always go back and look at something somebody said too after the fact. So it's really good for a lot of reasons. But Isn't that the? Am I exaggerating, or is that not just the same logic applied to the next logical step in in the overreach?
3: Well, what scares me is this is just the stuff we know about, right? Yeah. This is the stuff yeah. that is leaked, right? Yeah. are always wonders to me that. All right, we haven't heard everything from Edward Snowden yet. Obviously, we haven't heard the full— What do you mean
0: from Glenn Greenwald? Yeah,
3: Greenwald uh, on the Snowden stuff. Yeah. So I'm wondering, is once this stuff is announced, we're going to get another leak— We're going to get another big push. Maybe. Oh, by the way, you didn't know this, but they're also collecting this from you and this from you.
0: We talked about uh, the NSL, the National Security Letters and the Supporters Show. And one of the things that this uh, recommendation panel is uh, recommending, we don't know if Obama is going to implement this yet, is making it harder or at least as hard as it is to get a warrant to get an NSL. And it turns out. It should be. It should be, right? Yeah. But of course, even though there's been significant pushback from this from like the FBI, it turns out. There is actually still a little uh, backdoor loophole where they could get the NSL without, without having to go to a judge. Of course.
6: This is used to prevent an attack.
0: Yes, I am. So
6: those of us that Fighting. see it important to prevent another attack, ter- I don't need to tell you, terrorism is up, groups have metastasized, we know they'll come after us if they can, there's a real litany here of fact-
0: the question comes. Fear. Hold on. Hold on. Hold, Wait, on, hold yeah. on. Let's play that again. Did she yeah. just say a litany of facts? Let's see. A do litany you not affect? Find... Hold on. I got to got to find that. And there's a
6: real litany here of facts. There you go. Yep. So the question comes. Yeah, she said that. Do you not find value substantial value in being able to prevent this attack? So again, she's like, don't you so want I to protect find your country? substantial yeah. value in any tool that helps us prevent attacks?
0: This is Mike Morell, former CIA director.
6: I believe that 215 um, carries the potential to prevent attacks, and that's why I think it needs to continue.
0: Now, 215 is their short term for the the law that allows them to collect this metadata. So when they're saying 215, that's this part of the law that allows them to do this.
6: Um, But one of the, the important issues, I think, is the question of efficacy for us did not really impact our view on the change in approach to the program.
0: So the big complaint...
6: We do not believe that...
0: The FBI is saying that uh, their plan to move the metadata back to the cell phone carriers and to the telco carriers would, would, would bring a great inefficiency to their program. And then having to get NSLs through a warrant process would bring another layer of additional inefficiency that's the efficacy they're talking about and so he's responding to that are you actually making him less efficient
6: on the change in approach to the program um, we do not believe that we're going to add a substantial burden to the government um, by making the changes we are suggesting
4: if something can't
6: be done quicker than nine days, then they need to make some changes to make that happen. Now get ready for this. We also wrote into our report an emergency provision so that in, in, in an emergency situation... Which will always happen, community right? ...when the knows they need to move quickly, they'll be able to query the data um, without a court order um, going to the court after the fact. Wait, so they'll be able to query what, the data without the court order.
3: What defines an emergency? Because we're we, we in a state of emergency right now. Uh, exactly. And doesn't it get renewed every single year since 9-11? I'm sorry, I dropped the nine eleven bomb. I'll ding myself. <laughs> um, you know, it's been renewed every single year yeah. without fail.
0: We are under a constant state of war, an emergency, and we're on terror. So they still, after they use this emergency clause, then have to go back and report what they have done. But if you catch what that really means, and maybe, here, I'll just play this. I'm going to play this last part again because this is really key because listen to what he's actually saying. So he's saying they can query the data without the warrant, which means that it's not a technological uh, blocker where no, the company – It's then, a
6: procedural Right. Yeah. It's
0: not something where the company has to unlock it. It's right. totally procedural. Yep. We
6: also wrote into our report an emergency provision so that in in, in an emergency situation, Which are now. the intelligence community knows they need to move quickly. Yeah. They'll be able to query the data um, without a court order um, going to the court after the fact.
3: I have a hypothetical so, for you, Chris.
6: I mean we
0: already know that there has been – Frequent enough cases where NSA agents have spied on their loved ones yeah. that they actually have a code called Love Int for Love Intelligence when somebody gets busted for looking after one of their loved ones. Now, the only way they ever get busted is if they self report because there's also no auditing system in place. Right. So we have no auditing system in place and it's only a policy, not a technological barrier that would prevent these people from doing searches. Well,
3: there's no checks and balances for one. Right. And secondly, I was going to ask you a hypothetical. Here's the hypothetical, Chris. Can you name me a situation that would not be deemed an emergency?
0: Uh, yeah. I challenge you to I give mean, me a reason. Isn't every time you need to use a national security letter about an, an emergency situation? Right. It, it, it
3: is an accelerated situation that we need the information
0: yeah. now because it's a matter of life or death. Right. Uh, and, and we're going to get to what people actually predict Obama will implement. And by the way, this metadata change is not one of them. No. Nope. Uh, but your buddy, Dick Clark… Uh, Dick! He, he um, I, I feel like he was trying to convey a message to the people who are paying attention. Uh, one of the things they asked him is, you know, um, when you were looking at this, did you look at other uh, forms of surveillance that the government is doing? Because we have reports here, there's other types of surveillance that haven't come out yet, but it's all classified. And Dick Clark uh, mentions that, by the way, there is an executive order that's been around for a long time that nobody's talking about right now. The review, if I might, Mr. Clark, my last question... Um, It looks at two authorities, Section 702 and Section 215. Uh, And these are both sections about which there's been a lot of uh, public debate and discussion. But the review group also recommends greater government disclosure about these and other surveillance authorities it possesses. But the report appropriately and understandably does not itself disclose any additional uh, programs. What review, if any, did the group make of undisclosed programs Um, Or could you at least comment about whether lessons learned from such review is in fact reflected? Uh, We cannot confirm
3: or deny those programs because we did not know about those programs because we don't need to know about
0: them. That would actually be what you'd expect, right? right? Yeah. Uh, And he actually says, by the way, there's this other executive order that's been around since Reagan.
3: 2.333. Yep.
1: I think there's a great deal of metadata collected by the National Security Letter Program, uh, and we do speak to that in the recommendations. There's also a great deal of uh, communications... Uh, related information collected under the Executive Order 12333. Um, Public attention is focused on 215, but 215 produces a Small percentage of the overall data that's collected.
0: Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. oh, I feel so good. So all about all of this t- is to do about uh, this metadata collection, which, by the way, distraction. Met- yeah, it's meta. This is a very small percentage yep. of what they're doing, and yep. uh, so this this executive order uh, one two triple three, as uh, Clark put it, is uh, something that presidential uh, president, president Ronald Reagan signed an executive order uh, back. Let's see, on uh, November or I'm sorry, December fourth, 1981. 1981. And so this- oh, he
3: just took office, and he put this in
0: the this is the powers in which prism has been enacted. So all of the Internet collection happens under 12 before the Internet really was around. Well, it was this was amended uh, later by Bush and to kind of expand it there. uh, It was amended. uh, uh, Let's see. It's been amended on August 27th, 2004 and on uh, July 30th, 2008. Presidential Bush issued Executive Order 1234702, amending Executive Order 12333 to strengthen the role of the DNI, which would be when they implemented the Director of uh, National Intelligence. Um, to to oversee that aspect of the prison program, right? That's what I yeah, would assume. I mean, that's right. an assumption on my you would, part. You would have, yeah. But I would assume that when they were trying to clean well, things can't up, can't
3: you look at that executive order? I mean, we can pull that. Probably, it's, but here's what I'm yeah.
0: thinking. This is just my theory. Before we go that down that route, is I think this was the Bush administration's cleaning up before Obama comes in, and they rearrange things and they put this under the DNI, and this uh, and this is what this is now what they claim they have the legal authority. Uh, so I think I think when the prison program started, they were just kind of doing it rogue style. I think. And then they later had to make it fit to the they legal it, they system. Had to
3: solidify it.
0: Yeah. And so they used this old executive order from 1981 that's been amended by Bush a couple of times to make it all work. <laughs> and Jeez. so what Clark is saying in that quote right there is, hey, that's the one you need to pay attention to. In fact, I'll just play that last bit again. Because- so he,
3: so he, gave, he basically gave us a huge clue and carrot to what we really should be looking at.
1: Uh, related yeah. information collected under the executive order two triple three. Public attention is focused on 215, Look but over here. <laughs> 215 produces a small percentage of the overall data that's collected.
0: Now, one of the themes you could probably predict, and I did not bother clipping all of them, 9-11 plays a role every time somebody's got to come up and say, well, if we had this during 9-11, wouldn't that have prevented everything, right? Right. Uh, and so the way they got the panelists to agree to that statement was Diane Feinstein oh, read geez. Mike Morell's op-ed where he said where it was he said in my opinion. In my opinion, this would have stopped 9-11. And then she read the whole part, like a whole excerpt from the op-ed. And then just asked in general if the panel agreed with it. And 9-11 was one of the things in that op-ed, but it wasn't all of it, right? So then later, it comes, 9-11 comes back up again. You're making me hit this button. Every time you say 9-11, it gets a ding. And and this time, you could kind of tell, well, not everyone agreed that it would have done Jack.
5: There's a grand. Let's uh, pick up on what the chairman said. You wrote an op-ed. Uh, turn, op- turn your
4: microphone on.
5: Okay, there we go.
4: Uh, Michael, Here you wrote right, an off that piece for the that
5: you think that this technology, if it had been in place before 9-11, could have helped prevent the attack. That's your personal opinion? Yes, sir. That's morale. Uh, how many people agree with that? Raise your hand if you don't.
4: Uh, Nobody does. i say, Senator, that I think uh, the reason uh, we're not uh, raising our hand is not that we disagree with, with –
0: so listen to this again, if you.
4: Uh, I'd say, Senator, that that's, we, not, we, raise, we, that's we, not raising your hand. Uh, uh, I think the reason we're not raising our hand is not that we disagree <laughs> with with okay. Michael Morell, but that we are not specialists in the details of nine eleven. Fair enough. We didn't investigate. Fair enough. They, they fair enough.
6: When I read it. It. That's
4: fair.
0: they did. When I read it, she said. They just
6: said they did when I read it <laughs>
4: to them. <laughs> well, is this weird? We'll just go with what you said. The, we, we agreed with the quotation Senator Feinstein read from. Mr. Morell's Washington Post well, op-ed. Well, oh, come
0: on. Let's just pretend like you all agree the, with
4: that. On the 9-11 issue in particular, we, we agree, did not but discuss agree. that as a group. Can we all just pretend? Okay. Well, we'll take what she said. They, they agreed with you. <laughs> so
0: that's, that's the great. conclusion. Well, we'll just pretend like you all agree because that just makes it a lot easier for the narrative that this would have stopped 9-11 when in reality, the presidential review panel does yeah. not necessarily agree that it would have stopped it. No.
3: And, you know, it, it, it didn't, obviously.
0: Right. right. Because a lot of these things were in place yeah. during those times. And in fact, uh, your buddy- Dick Clark later Dick. on says in the and by the way I have the full Senate hearing if people want to watch this in the supporters' sink for the show for the, all of the notes. Make sure you've had a few drinks first. Yeah, it's long. Uh, but one of the one of the things that Graham or I'm sorry not Graham one of the things that Dick Clark gets in at the end is, uh, we had information. It's just government agencies weren't talking, and that's oh, what he well, says. Well, yeah,
3: they, you know, and we knew about that a long time. You know, CIA, FBI. You, you know, they don't exactly had a great
0: relationship. Then. Yeah. Uh, We've got a couple more NSA things to cover before we run uh, into uh, net neutrality. Uh, number one is uh, Snowden has been, quote unquote, honored with a new position.
7: And I, is it just me or is Jake Tapper a little butthurt? It's another world news. Edward Snowden, the NSA contractor who took a treasure trove of the agency's secrets and leaked them to the world. He isn't a journalist, but he is a journalist's dream source, which is why today in news. We're breaking right now on the lead. The Freedom of the Press Foundation is announcing that Snowden is joining its board of directors. Daniel Ellsberg is a co-founder of the Freedom of the Press Foundation. You'll of course remember him as the former U.S. military analyst who gave the infamous Pentagon Papers to the New York Times back in 1971. Uh, Mr. Ellsberg, thanks so much for being here. Why has the organization decided to add Snowden to the board of directors even though he's not actually a journalist?
0: I don't know, just something about the way Tapper says it, it's like... I'm a
3: journalist, I yeah. should be on that board. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm a real journalist, I'm standing out here and he's out in the rain. I yeah, went to the school. Ring. So, I, and then, I love... I mean, when if you actually thought about what Tapper is asking Ellsberg, it, it, it would, you would see how stupid this question is, and Ellsberg yeah. immediately addresses
4: it. Yeah. Well, I'm not a journalist either. In fact, I'm a source. <laughs> actually of exactly the same sort that Edward Snowden has been. Uh, and... He represents the values, I think, of the Freedom of the Press Foundation, pressfreedomfoundation.org, which are that investigative journalism is essential to the First Amendment, freedom of the press, and of speech. Uh, you can't have investigative journalism in the foreign policy or defense, so-called defense area, without, put it very bluntly, leaks of classified information because the secrecy system and the classification system have been so abused always that uh, the information that the public needs to know to be the sovereign public and to have an influence on these policies is routinely classified, no matter what abuses that conceals. So he has acted, he's put his own life on the line, I would say. We admire him, I admire him personally very much, he's a hero of mine. And uh, we're very proud, actually, to have him join us Tapper on the board, off three. which no, also includes, two, by the way, the journalists Laura Poitras and Glenn Greenwald, who have been uh, the channel.
0: So uh, they're also there with us, Snowden. Now, uh, did you catch this story? Chase, this is, a, I can't quite tell, this came this came from the New York Times a couple of days ago. Yeah. And I can't quite tell if the New York Times is just reheating up the talk that Jacob Applebaum had at the Computer Chaos Congress, or if they have new information. Now, the way they wrote the article would imply they have confirmed this information on their own, but you probably heard the story that the NSA is using radio waves to control software bugs in over 100,000 computers. Yeah. Yeah, we talked. I said yeah. radio waves. Yeah.
1: And the NSA is finding new ways to spy on foreign adversaries and take on cyber threats through a program codenamed Quantum. The New York Times says the NSA planted software in nearly 100,000 computers worldwide. In some cases, the agency used secret radio wave technology to gain access when computers weren't connected to the web. The targets include... China's army, the Russian military, and drug cartels. President Obama is expected to endorse reforms to the NSA in a speech on Friday.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that speech really quick.
1: On Friday, President Obama will spell out how he plans to overhaul the government's secret surveillance programs. Tonight, our Major Garrett has word on some of what the president's expected to say. Major?
5: By the way, hold Good on. Good evening, can we, Scott. The well, White House insists.
3: System- Timing is everything in the news. Mm-hmm. I want to I point that out. Typically, when you see news stories that are released on Fridays, yeah, it's to bury it.
0: It's to bury
3: the yeah, lead, and yeah. it, it always happens that way. Always, you guys, because so by the time Monday means, comes
0: around, no one's going to be talking. Do about you think it. that means Obama's not going to be announcing much?
3: No, I, I think what he's going to be announcing is a lot of re- reaffirmation that yeah, these programs are help keep America safe.
0: Yeah,
3: uh, you're going to you're going to. Here's my prediction. Here's a red book prediction. He's going to drop the 9/11 bomb. Okay. During it. You think really? Yeah. He's gonna say, you know, you know, these programs been in he's gonna say something about nine eleven. It's gonna get yeah. in there somewhere. Okay. Right. I could be wrong. All right. All right. But you know, it always works great for political parties. Sure. So he's gonna drop
0: that in there. Um and he's gonna reaffirm that these programs are good. You know what I'd be happy with? If he could somehow say, like these programs helped us catch Osama bin Laden. Oh, that's yours. That's yours. All right. So, so you, I say nine yeah, eleven. Yeah.
3: You're saying Osama bin Laden. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I just uh, you know, but the the key you guys here, Friday. They you know when you when you put out something on a Friday, everybody's looking towards the weekend. They don't care about the news. They don't care
0: about anything. There is one possible uh, kink in that is sometimes in the political sphere. Not always, because it's a little bit late. It's a late notice for the Sunday talk shows. But sometimes, if something breaks on Friday, they'll analyze it to death on the Sunday talk shows. Not often, because it's not enough time to book guests. What time is he to...
3: speaking on Friday? I don't know. Is it morning or afternoon? That's that would make the difference, right? It there. would be absolutely.
0: I I I tend to agree with you. In fact, those... I think the chair room's saying
3: Friday afternoon. I just I'm just catching up. This, in this uh,
0: in the remainder of this clip, they speculate as to what he's going to announce. All right.
5: Good evening, Scott. The White Good House evening. insists no final decisions have been made, but numerous sources tell us the president will preserve most of the existing surveillance, technology and tactics, but will require more additional government oversight. In addition, President Obama, Will keep the storage of phone and internet data under the supervision of the National Security Agency, require high level administration approval for any surveillance of foreign heads of state, and add a privacy advocate to the secret court in charge of foreign surveillance. this Scott in a speech Friday at the Justice Department.
1: Major Garrett at the White House, thank
5: you.
0: Nobody's got a siren loop like those guys. I tell you what, Chase. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> and when you have a guy by the reporting by the name of Major Garrett,
0: right? That's pretty good. Uh, Although I, Chase would be a good reporter name too. Yeah, You're I know. chasing the story.
3: Yeah, I know. But huh? major military, yeah, you know, know it's know. like
0: so. Um, not
3: brass. So it sounds like the NSA is going to keep the metadata. Oh, sure. I mean, it's very powerful data. And it's great to have and secretly to be and, able to research. And if
0: the NSA asks really nicely, they're going to be able to spy on world leaders. But they have to ask super nice. But they nice. have
3: to ask nicely, and we're not going to know about it.
0: Now, they they did say they'll probably put a public advocate in there, so that could be interesting. I said rubber stamp. Yeah. I it's it's going to be a shill. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think you probably Prove right. me wrong. No, I don't think I need to. Yeah, I know. All right, well, let's take a quick break and yep. thank our Unfilter supporters. So if you're new to the Unfilter show, something you might not know is we don't take sponsorships. In what? Fact, what do you mean? We actually... T- turn them down. Yeah, and we, we have say turned no. them down because yeah. we want to be supported by our audience because we only want to have to report to you, and also hear about you. We only really want to have to worry about the content. We don't have to want to worry about focusing it so that way advertisers want to buy or what we're going to sell to you guys. And, or we have
3: to eliminate stories about certain companies because we don't want to feel like we're alienating them, and it gets complicated.
0: Yeah, I was actually thinking, like for example, to your point, I was thinking a title that might work for this week's episode is "Verizon is Killing the Internet." Right, right. You would never. If this is a show we ever want to sell to sponsors, you wouldn't do that because even though Verizon would never sponsor this show, another sponsor could be anybody. Would look at that and go, "Oh boy, they're 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 willing to put a company's name in the title." They that. could put. They could That's do this That's risky. To us. That's a yeah. risky thing to take on. So right. we don't have want to one, have to worry about that. We want to focus on the content. But the other thing is, is the only thing we really have to report to is the, the number of people who support us. We have to make content to those people, yeah. and it can fundamentally ch- changes the way you put a show together when you're focusing on 300 people. and What would make them them really happy. Yeah. So, what you do is you go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com, you pop any of the recent Unfiltered episodes, scroll down, click on the $5 a month button, and that keeps us on the air. We're trying to get to 333. We and are we're getting close. close. Getting really I mean, close. The,
3: the, the great thing about supporting the show is not only you keep the show advertising free and um, on the air, and on the air, of course, but you get some awesome perks, which includes an awesome downloadable pre and post show. So, you get right. actually inside information, inside stories, additional, additional clips about what we're talking about and things that are going on in and our on personal lives. Week,
0: we still have uh, we still do it still do shows we still do it yeah
3: we also, uh, you know, music, hijinks, and other things, you yep. get a complete experience. But another thing, too, Chris, which is a very powerful thing, is that BitTorrent Sync.
0: Yeah, we've got two of them, one of just the last five recent supporter shows, so that way you can just float that on your mobile device, and then it pulls down so super fast, and you play it on any um, media player you have on your phone. Yep. And then the other thing we have is the source code to our show. All of the files, all of the clips, all everything. of the assets, notes, everything that goes into an episode of Unfilter, and this, I think this... I think it's full there's like 7 gigs now it's since episode 54 when the NSA story broke everything's in there so if you want to go back and look at the clips yourself if we said something during a clip and you wanted to hear them say it again yep. you could go listen to your, your on your own we have video versions of some of the clips that we play in the show you can go watch
3: and we make it really easy for you no matter where you are in the country if you're on the east coast we might we, we, we put the investment back into the show so you get a, a fast downloaded yep. we got, connection so we got a server
0: on the east coast to make sure that yeah. and that also helps with the and folks. the west coast of course and since the way this BitTorrent sync works is you know. Uh, I, I feed it out to my two endpoints, and then they feed it to the swarm. And it just people are Boom. downloading these files at the maximum speed of their connection. Yeah. It's really cool, which which is but great. We, but only you can get it if you're a supporter. And we also have the newsletter that goes out after every show. And oh. if you just became a supporter, you get your first newsletter tonight, and that includes a regular straight MP3 download links and uh, a place where you can go get the back catalog of the supporters. Now and,
3: and the great thing about the supporters, it's a low investment, and we have a, a great line of people who jumped on yeah. board this week. So
0: uh, I'll start. I like uh, to say thank you uh, to Kyle T. The Vincent C. And James M. Matt B. Matt C. Christopher N. Eric
3: W. <laughs> you jumbled on that one now. Well, Samuel. I you think that's Eric? Yeah, that's Eric, yeah. yeah.
0: Samuel B. Philip S. Tony. Bobby C. Seth. And of course, that would be Adian. Adian M. And, and, and Sean Z. And For, then TZ. That's why I always just call him yeah. TZ. He's well,
3: a long time by the mark. way, I said Zed for all our UK people. Or oh, nice. uh, yeah, yeah, Canadians. Our they Canadian. appreciate the z yeah,
0: too. They do. So that brings our total to 328 subscribers. Now, when we get to 333... What happens then, Chris? That magic number covers the day of production. And you know, let's be honest. This is not one day of production. That's why I, I <laughs> nope. kind of... It's just a really kind of easy way to say that. But this show really... Starting, starting the day we go off air, but really heavily starting Sunday night after the Linux action show, I start yep. collecting clips... And uh, really, it, it's a multi-day process yeah, to put the no, show it together. Is. Uh, so you have to,
3: s- unfortunately, sit down and listen and watch people C-SPAN. Who, people who grab the oh source to the show,
0: they start to realize. Like, yeah. they start to see. And it's yeah. because, you know, like that, that C-SPAN thing where we pulled some of those clips, we might be the only place some of these people hear those because those, that's not playing on the news, right? No. And the thing is, is like... That was hours of just listening to boring C-SPAN crap, yeah. and that whole video now, if like you're the kind of person that does like to see all of the little nitty details, see how people talk and all that kind of stuff, that whole video is in the supporters' sync, and well, you we, can get that.
3: And when we do this to, to provide you with information to say, hey, feel free to fact check us. Form your own opinions. Yep. Listen
0: to the content itself, the pure content that's not been edited. We don't say this enough either, but uh, and this is just up on the website. The show notes also have additional links to stuff we talk about. Some st- Sometimes stuff doesn't fit in the show, yeah. and that's there too. Uh, all right, well, why don't we shift gears to yep. net neutrality? I think oh, this is something boy. that you know you and i because we are content creators on the web we have kind of a big opinion on and uh net neutrality there was there were some laws that were passed in 2010 that sort of set up some rules
3: well they they weren't exactly laws though and that's right, yeah. that, that's the one thing we have to real yeah. be specific about these were regulations by the fcc that right. they enacted to say and it was a very narrow decision but they enacted them to basically try to keep the internet free of companies trying to give preferential Uh, treatment, uh, set up different speedways, and that sort of thing.
0: All right, so let's recap what happened recently. The
5: U.S. appeals court has struck down measures enforcing net neutrality, or equal access to all online content. As a result, broadband providers will soon be able to navigate users' traffic and steer it toward or away from certain websites. The ruling followed a lawsuit brought by one of the largest U.S. mobile phone operators, Verizon, against the Federal Communications Commission. The company challenged the FCC's ban on providing extra bandwidth to certain websites on the basis of commercial deals struck with them. Civil advocacy campaigner Todd O'Boyle says the preferential treatment of some Internet services at the expense of others jeopardizes the future of the web.
8: I think the biggest Uh, implication potentially is for content providers and for innovation. We know that the innovation has flourished online because small players have had equal access to consumers. As of this ruling, a big company like Verizon could strike a deal with um, a video service and make a partner deal with them so that their content would always be delivered more quickly. That makes it difficult for the next startup to get started. If that decision is left unchallenged, then there's nothing really stopping from an internet service provider from blocking access to specific content. And if you block access to the most important online social organizing tools, It may impact what they're able even to say and how they can connect and communicate. So absolutely, there are startling free speech concerns here.
0: I'm not going to lie. I feel (laughs) like I got a little skin in this game because um, what if... We all do. So let's take your, your... You and I both have a common situation right now. Matt's suffering this too. We all have the same Fios internet service. Yep. And... We are currently getting screwed, even though we have really fast connections to our house. There is an office in a town close to us called what? It's Bothell, right? It's
3: Bothell, Washington.
0: And in Bothell, where they have some routers, they're having massive congestion.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously they, have uh, you know, been advertising and pushing their service. More yeah. customers have been coming online, and it's
0: you know, it's understandable if you have people at the endpoints who have 50 megabit connections, they're going to be able to throw more at your central routers because yep. they're going to it's going to be just more traffic. You just can't throw there.
3: another little Linksys in there, though.
0: So you. Can could see how Frontier would go. All right, well, uh, look, Mr. Hastings, uh, if Netflix pays us uh, three million dollars a month, or whatever, or, or a, a year, or a hundred thousand dollars a year, or whatever it is, or two dollars per customer then uh, we will put you on the new router that we are implementing right now that uh, you know we're looking to sort of cover our costs on so, because right now we're looking at our traffic stats and about 70% of our traffic at, oh, after 5 p.m. is Netflix. And so really it's your traffic that's congesting our network and making the service for the rest of our users. But, poor. They,
3: but here's the thing a lot of people don't, don't even realize. Netflix is already paying a provider. They're already right. paying to get their content out there. Right. Okay. They have servers that they have to push. The bandwidth outbound yeah, they have, for they,
0: Netflix has a has a they home, have their drops. They have a, yeah they have their home rolled CDN. But so that's one example. But what about us? Right. So uh, what if companies like Amazon and Google and Netflix for you know Google for YouTube could pay to be on that new router because they have loads of money and you and I couldn't. So uh, you you We're have this, a second tier, right? We have where if you go to a stream of, an episode of Unfilter, well that takes a while to buffer, right? But if you go stream an episode of Archer on Netflix, that starts instantaneously.
3: Yeah, but you know what though, I, I while this is very fearful, I think these these kind of situations, when the regulations were put into place, uh, a lot of the regulations were more geared towards the wireless side of things than they were towards the actual landline sort of thing, and the the companies like Verizon wanted, and also AT and T wanted to do this. Hey. Free data if well, it was, you, if it's sponsored.
0: Yeah, so AT&T's launched sponsored data now. Right, but so isn't this the same thing in reverse? So but that's if, all, but that's only over wireless though at this right, point. Right, Well,
3: but what, what I'm saying though is the regulations were really uh, obviously geared towards keeping it all wide open and free. But you have major groups. Well, kind like,
0: of. It's sort of the regulations right. forced them. To keep it a level playing field, right? Right. So the regulations were only applied to wired lines, whereas in wireless, they said, have at it, Haas. you can manage your network however you see fit, because wireless spectrum is a um, limited, limited resource. resource. And yeah. if you recall back, Google played a key role in this deal. Uh, do you recall this? So I do. Google flipped on the wireless thing, and they said, okay, well, if we can get uh, an agreement on the wired, we'll stop pushing on the wireless aspect of this, and have at it, Haas, on the wireless. And then, as long as we can keep net neutrality on the wired, we, Google, are happy. Well, now look what happens a few years later. That gets repealed. Well,
3: you know what, though? Who's got more money than God right now? And that's Google, right? No, that's actually Apple. Well, All right. Google and Apple. But see, Apple also <laughs> yeah. has a
0: play, play in
3: this game, Well, so too. does Amazon. Everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think you're going to see them play it... Hopefully, if they're playing it smart, they're going to play it for the consumer. But the
0: problem is, is if, if you have a, sc- a scenario where you have sponsored data and you can be, if Google even takes 2% of their ad revenue on the YouTube videos and helps pay for users' data, Google already deploys Wi-Fi in airports just so people can get internet. I could right. see Google being way- willing to sub- to do subscribe data. So if you're on AT&T and you watch YouTube, Google pays for that bandwidth and it doesn't go on your bill. Well, and what that doesn't, what, and then if you go to Jupiter Broadcast, you do pay for that so what you're actually doing is you're incentivizing the user not to watch jupiter broadcasting because that's data you pay for but if you watch youtube that's free well the
3: worst the worst thing about all these situations is when you have companies like Verizon and AT&T who are not only ISPs but they're also content providers because mm-hmm. remember you guys Verizon's Verizon has their own Netflix Verizon actually not only do they have their own Netflix with Redbox but they have their own TV yeah. uh, content right. network uh, they have you know Fios TV also AT&T yeah. has their their Uverse technology Frontier has their own television service as well so everybody has a, a part in this game however i truly still believe in the power of people i know i'm old school but i really believe that if people were getting uh, – seg- like say, hey, you pay $60 for power or you pay $60 for water. Well, I, your, your water isn't segregated depending I, on I, what your water actually, is. Data is data, isn't I it? I
0: actually think that's a really good example. So where where we live, we have the distinction of being able to choose between two ISPs. Three technically. Okay. But we don't get to choose between power companies and water companies.
3: Now, one of the, the things that's different, though, here, in, at least in our county, is we're a publicly, uh, public utility district.
0: So a lot of places— Not-for-profit. —don't have—in fact, they this don't. has been one of the biggest comments I've seen into this story is— They don't have selection. They only have one ISP in the area. It's right. an actual monopoly. Yeah. And so if that one ISP decides to do this, there's, it's not like the, the free market has no recourse. There's, right. there's no recourse for the free—there's no corrective action right. that can be taken. That's right. So I— I think in the the absence of uh, market conditions that allow for free competition to sort of sort these things out, there has to be some sort of regulation on the internet
3: uh, in terms of prioritizing data. But would it also possibly – I mean I know it's hard and you've seen companies try to do this and and fail because these incumbent companies have come in. I think that this is a chance on the state and local levels of government – to come in and say, hey, look, you know, remember, a lot of cable companies and ISPs have to negotiate what they call franchise agreements mm-hmm. with cities. Mm-hmm. OK, well, you know, let's say, for example, a city, for example, wanted to start up their own fiber network and they could the city. Obviously, they're going to listen to their citizens, usually mm-hmm. local governments, you know, much more receptive to their to citizens. They could go to the citizens and citizens go, hey, look, Verizon or Comcast, if you will, is setting up tiered internets. I don't want that. I pay one cost. I want an unrestricted right. internet. Yeah. So I want you guys to form your own internet. I want you guys as a city to have your own fiber connection. And then they're going to say, well, wait a minute. We don't want that. So part of the condition of a new franchise agreement could be, hey, you have to have an unrestricted internet yeah. to this community.
0: Yeah, it could It could work through that way. Uh, it just seems like even in that scenario, you'd, you're relying on a lot of people to be a lot more informed than I think they actually are.
3: Well, if they notice that they can't get to their websites or they notice that – Circuit so secondary website. Well, what they'll
0: notice is the name brands are fast, and the little podunk guys are slow. Right,
3: and they're going to ask why.
0: I don't think so. I think, I think they just, would. I think they'll just know. Well, if I want good quality, performing speed, I go to a, I go with a brand. I go with a name brand. Right, but
3: what I'm saying is, hey, Comcast, why is it that I can't get to this site correctly? Um, and they're going to tell me. They should tell me, right? Wouldn't they tell me?
0: I don't know. Wouldn't that be public info? So it's not all bad news for the FCC, though. Even though their regulations got repealed, uh, the court left part of the open Internet order intact, saying that the FCC still has the general authority to require how broadband providers treat traffic. So they actually might come back with something else or even appeal this. Uh, but it's actually – it's not – this isn't horrible, horrible news. Um, and Tom Merritt has a new uh, podcast called uh, the Daily Tech News Show. And he covered this on there. But I actually thought his best summation of what's going on right now, where we're at, was a a spot he did on the morning stream uh, this morning.
7: The Uh, Internet exploded yesterday. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, in all seriousness, uh, the Internet did explode. U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit uh, granted... That The FCC has general authority to regulate how broadband providers treat traffic, which is a victory for the FCC. That's getting overlooked by a lot of people here. The court did affirm like, yeah, you get to regulate broadband providers. Broadband providers would have liked that to been thrown out, saying, look, the FCC has no business regulating us. We're not a broadcaster. We're not this or that. Uh, what, what the court narrowly said, and this is where I think a lot of the confusion comes in, is that there were two rules the FCC had put into place as part of their open internet. Internet order and it only relates to the wireline broadcasters, not wireless broadcasters. That's the, the folks that, you know, let you plug an Ethernet cable into things. Uh, the two rules were that they could not block lawful content, application services, or non harmful devices. And the other rule was they may not unreasonably discriminate in transmitting lawful network traffic. Now, those seem like very reasonable rules. The court said they are very reasonable rules. The problem is that back. About 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. the uh, FCC decided that they were not going to regulate broadband providers as a common carrier. Mm. And the reason for that was they wanted to promote innovation and investment. Mm. So they said, we're not going to regulate you like a phone company. We're not going to make you be dumb pipes. We're going to let you just go out and do what you want. Well, we've all seen the the great effects of innovation and investments <laughs> that the ISPs have been making oh. uh, since that ruling. But the, what the court said and the court's right is, look, if you decided they're not common carriers, you can't regulate them as a common carrier. And under block. the Telecommunications Act of 1996, it specifically prevents you regulating a service as a common carrier if it's not classed that way. And these two rules seem to be regulating them as a common carrier so we're going to strike those out and you have to go redo your process either reformulate the rules so they aren't so common carrier like or reclassify the services as common carrier
0: Mm. i thought i like that if
3: that's the case if it's that simple it is yeah so why don't we i don't know as americans we have this petition. What is it? Petition dot gov or whatever. Right, yeah. Whatever. Hello, everybody's website is. <laughs> we could go there. You get a hundred thousand people. That's all you need, right? Hundred thousand dollars for a response from the White House. Uh, yeah, for a response. For a response, and let's
0: get a freaking law passed to make this make make them accountable. So, so uh, this is. It's, so it's, now it's, we're kind of in this weird like middle zone. So it, as Ars Technica put it, the FCC screwed up their chances to do this uh, back when they did. Uh, when they set all this up, uh, as Tom said, because they they because they were regulating them as common carriers, but then they themselves said they were not common carriers, ergo they couldn't use those regulations. Now right. the thing is, the current FCC chairman, he's not so sure this is anything he really is going to get too worried about at this point. His philosophy is based on some uh, digging that ours. Remember, did, by the way, he's a former industry person. People don't right. forget that. Good, good point. Uh, and his take is, according to ours, Technic as well let's, you know, let things work out. Maybe we'll see some of these carriers experiment with different things, and maybe some of these things we'll like, and some of these things we won't, and then we'll kind of figure it out what we need to regulate, which is which kind of sounds like a way to kind of just let them have at it for a while. And this, I think maybe I'm a little extra sensitive to this because years ago I read, back in 2010, a book that I loved so much that that year I got it for a few members of my family. It's The Master Switch, The Rise and Fall of Information Empires. I'm going to play a little clip of it right here.
7: Visibly stunned. It was a latter-day miracle, reported the magazine. The human voice was speeding from ocean to ocean, stirring the electric waves from one end of the country to the other. The grand finale was a demonstration of Bell's newest and perhaps most astonishing invention yet. A wireless telephone, the ancestor of our mobile phone, of which, by 1916, Bell already had a working prototype. To show it off, Bell mounted what might be called one of history's first multimedia presentations, combining radio, the phonograph, the telephone, and the motion picture projector, the most dazzling inventions of the early 20th century.
0: So he goes back and looks at major innovations in everything from the phone to cable TV, radio, the telegraph, um, and now the Internet, and shows how when they all started... They were this amazing brand new thing that was going to allow human-to-human conversations, that was going to bypass the middleman, that was going to bring a new era of information and enlightenment to the human race. And as time went on... They eventually all get kind of locked down to industry, to the incumbents, and then it's a cycle that repeats. A new disruptor right. comes along, like yeah. TV to radio, and then it's all all over again. Then cable comes along, and it's, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's a good book. I'll link it in the show notes if you guys want to check it out. It it gives you a lot of perspective about where we're headed with some of this stuff. Have you heard of Master Switch before? No,
3: and actually, I might check that out. I, I, I do have a question for you, Chris. I mean, mm-hmm. I know we're, we tend to be sometimes pessimistic on this show. Who, me, no. I mean, sometimes. No. Um, what do you, uh, what what do you think the end game here is? Obviously, I mean, do you agree right now with the FCC chair? Uh, they'll see how things work out. Well, I guess it's our only
0: choice. I think.
3: No, it's not. I mean, we could
0: rise up against the machines and fight them. Not going to happen. No, No. uh, don't, didn't you know Duck Dynasty's back this week? Can't, can't be bothered. Uh, (laughs) No, I think in some regards, peer-to-peer protocols will help negate some of this because people just all over the world will see things and that'll help. And you know, they won't be able to apply pressure directly to things like CDNs because we won't be using CDNs. And so more people move that direction. But it's not entirely a technical problem. There is a legitimate political problem where we have to work with the system to make sure this is right. It would be a shame to take a crap on the Internet. It really would be because it is a great tool for – Communication and informing Well, not,
3: well, not only that, but every, as we heard, and how it is still today, everybody's equal right now on the internet. There is no preference. You know, obviously, there's preference in search results. There's preference in a lot of yeah, things. Yeah,
0: But all matters in terms same. of like data line preferences. Right. Yeah. You know, we all get the we, we all get the same shake. Yeah. We are all are all the same. Yeah. All right, Chase. Well, guess what? We unlocked our bonus round. Oh yes. All right, Chase, it is since uh, you unlocked the bonus round yourself, it is your choice. All right. Uh, You get either a Judge Napolitano NSA spying uh, rant or what do the weak job report numbers really mean for the U.S. economy? Oh, God, this is a tough one. I know. I know. It is a tough one. In fact, if you want, I'll play a little uh, suspenseful music while you try to decide.
3: Well, you know, and, you know, usually I'll think about it and just say it out. But, you know, it wouldn't be fair because you guys can't read into my mind. Right. So as you guys know right now, I am unemployed. And, yeah. you know, I'm not surprised by the weak job numbers because, right. I mean, go figure, there's a lot of people out work. But we of work. just
0: got done hearing all this great positive news about the jobs and the economy. In fact, remember, it was so positive, the feds came out and said, I think we're going to start tapering now because jobs yep. are doing good. Yeah, jobs are going great. But all of a sudden, new jobs report came out, only 74,000 jobs created.
3: No, I'm not shocked by that. And we always love the judge. Yeah, the judge, the judge has is always good. Got,
0: he's always got that constitutional perspective, James. Yeah,
3: well, you know what? I, jobs is very important to me right now. As much as I love the judge, you want to go get jobs? With the jobs. All
0: right, here we go. What do weak jobs mean for the U.S. economy? Today, we got the first unemployment
1: report of the year. It shows the unemployment rate falling below 7% for the first time since <laughs> the Great Recession.
0: Now, wow. uh, Chase, uh, why wow. do you suppose the unemployment rate has fallen to uh, 6.7%? It is the uh, lowest it's been since the Great Depression. Why well, do you suppose that might be, Chase? Uh, well, because a lot of people stopped getting counted.
3: The
1: economy created only seventy-four thousand jobs last month—the worst showing in three years. Oh, Mason geez. is with us tonight. Anthony, what's going on?
3: Yeah, what's going Scott,
2: on? got bad weather. Appears to have played a big factor in. Are you are, wait, you? are you?
0: Are you? Are no. you processing what this guy no. just said? Wait, wait. Are you processing what this guy just said?
3: You, you're gonna have to freaking censor me here. Are you ready for this? Well, let's just—I just, just want to make sure we heard wait, it okay. What, let's that, just no, make sure no, we heard no, it. Scott, you're, Bad you're, weather appears. No bad weather. To no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Stop. Okay. Wait. This, I just want to make sure you got that. That's a metaphor, right? He's not like, right. He's not going to go on and talk about because of the cold snap or,
0: or I know, anything. I mean, that,
3: I mean that, that's just a metaphor. You know, it's like it's a, there's a bad storm brewing. Yeah, in the, yeah it's yeah. a metaphor.
0: Storm in the jobs it's market. A, it's, yeah. a, it's a that metaphor. Must have been, that would make more sense. <laughs> you know what? This <laughs> is a metaphor. Yeah. yeah,
3: Scott,
2: bad weather appears to have played a big factor in December hiring. As one economist put it, job growth got snowed in. The drop in the unemployment (laughs) rate looks good, but the biggest factor was people dropping out of the workforce. We met one person today
4: who is trying not to do that. People tend to blame themselves to begin with, but in reality, it really is the fact that there's not enough jobs out there for everybody.
2: 58-year-old John Fugazi has been out of work for more than 15 months. He's lost his house and had to move in with his mother. Not long ago, he was running a frozen food department for a supermarket chain now he's job hunting in a new jersey library
4: quitting isn't an option so no matter how hard it is if we give up what's the option
2: but more and more americans are leaving the workforce fewer than 63 percent have a job or are actively looking for work that's the lowest level since 1978 economists cite three main reasons aging baby boomers are retiring at a growing rate The poor economy is keeping students in school longer. It's also discouraging job seekers. Many have just given up looking. But John Fugazi isn't there yet.
4: The only way you can have hope is to keep at it. I mean, let's be honest. That's what America is about.
2: The weak job growth stunned economists. It may have been the weather, but it may also make the Fed take a second look at cutting back on stimulus.
1: Anthony, thanks very
2: much.
0: Can you believe this weather crap? Can you believe this weather crap? Can you describe
3: the look of my face to people, shock, Chris?
0: Shock, I would say. it. it Chase, it, it may have been the weather. Uh, the weak job growth stunned economists. And the economists were stunned, of course. Now, it's funny because you and I are not that stunned. I kind of saw this one coming. The only thing that stuns me is they're blaming it on the weather. Because, like, we both said, of course. And what's crazy, and I don't know, I'm no Mr. Economist over here, but if you. Don't have a lot of jobs in the month of December. That seems like a bad thing because isn't that when a lot of people are hiring to cover for the holiday rush? Yeah, isn't that traditionally a high jobs number?
3: The only, the only the only problem is typically the majority of those jobs are temporary. I right, mean, obviously Amazon, but, UPS, but all... doesn't
0: that? But I, I'm so used to an end of year. I am goosing. blown away by that. It's Like an end of year goosing of the numbers because like, oh, we ended on a high note. Well, of course we did because we ramped up temporarily. And then usually January and February, it's like a train wreck of job numbers. But no, we got it in December. We got a little an early Christmas y- you present. You know,
3: I, I, uh, you know, everybody's been following my, my, uh, my trek to find full time employment. Does Chase have a job yet? Hey, .com can was, I ask you something, Chase? Yeah. Chris. Has,
0: has it just, has it just been too cold?
3: <laughs> I, I'm at a loss. Um, uh, <laughs> that that really severely pisses me off.
0: Yeah, they're I'm, just they gotta I, brush it under the rug, you know. They gotta. I mean, you know, I make it's I, not a big deal. I have
3: done everything. I, honestly, I, I think I've done everything I can. Uh, you know, I've reformulated my resume countless times. I've uh, reformulated my LinkedIn page countless of times. Uh, n- you know, <laughs> all these things, and I truly believe that you know you have to incentivize companies for building jobs here. Uh, and, you know, obviously, I look at this as a great example. The, one of the biggest examples I can ever give is look what Boeing and the state of Washington did. So the state of Washington gave Boeing, a large multinational company, so huge, I mean, record-breaking tax breaks to bring jobs and to bring the manufacturing of the new triple seven and its wing mm-hmm. to the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. They they provided that. They they provided that. Okay. To, to incentivize uh, that company to bring those jobs here. Well, a lot of other companies are not extended out those same benefits. A lot of those companies, even small employers, are taxed to the hilt, uh, you know, because, because the states do that. Um,
0: so there's, you know, there's a
3: lot of reasons. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons there. So, it, it's one of those situations where—
0: I also think they blame—I uh, I, I feel like they lean on this people have given up meme. Like, I guarantee you that does happen because people just get so frustrated. But I bet, like, they exaggerate that. Well, they're they're not counted because they've given up. And I think it's almost like an excuse not to count them anymore, right. in a sense.
3: And, you know, the worst thing about this whole ordeal is that obviously there are some people that love— uh, you know, living off of unemployment and, you know, don't want to bother with going in and getting a, a job and working hard to make a difference. And, you know, if, it, for example, if McDonald's paid me $15 an hour, sure, I would go work at McDonald's. But, the the you know, working at McDonald's doesn't – like in the chat room, I, I uh, it was I Am Icon, I think, who, who stated, you know – he expects me to go work, or she—I don't know if he or she—expect uh, me to go work at McDonald's. Well, that wouldn't make a difference because I could work at two different McDonald's jobs and still not bring in enough income to pay my mortgage. So, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point in trying to do that? Right. Um. You know, my my number one goal is to to I, I could I will take a lesser income, sure, to pay the mortgage. Mm-hmm. You know, that's you know, and survive. That's my only yep. goal. That's yep. you know, so and so it's not it's, the weather,
0: is what you're saying. A. Not the weather. I'm sorry. Yeah. That is ridiculous. Crazy, huh? That is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you picked that one. That was a good one. I mean, the judge had a good rant. I know, but yeah. I, I, I'm pissed. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, I got something that might cheer you up, Mr. Chase. Yeah. Uh, a little good news. Uh, you predicted back on episode 79. So while you pull up the subreddit, I, 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 uh, yeah. I, I want to give a special shout out to, uh, let me see, back in episode 80, Giant Duff predicted... That we get at least three hundred and twenty new supporters and I think we're at three twenty-eight. So.
3: Oh, so we're we're doing a prediction of supporters. Well numbers. he decided. To. Oh, okay, fair enough.
0: In, in in lieu of your subreddit prediction. Alright, so subreddit prediction, what was my prediction? In episode 79, you predicted we'd be at 1,075 unfiltered.reddit.com. <sighs> uh, so you, know,
3: you know what sucks? You know, I you know, I should really get a job in in trying to make predictions because <laughs> if I got a job doing that, I would be mildly successful. <laughs> Oh no, really we reach, that's good. We reached 1093 supporters on the unfiltered subreddit. Nice. Uh the great thing about it is that is your way to speak back to us. Chase,
0: what do you want to make a prediction for for next week for- Oh
3: man, you know what? I'm going to be modest. I'm going to I'm, we're going to break the 1000 plateau. So we're going to our the next 100 plateau. So 1100 readers.
0: All right, 1100?
3: Yeah. All right. That's my that's my I got my it point. in the book. Now, Chris, obviously during the course of the week, you like to share your thoughts and Can I give
0: it to you in 140 characters?
3: If you can on this service, though
0: twitter.com slash Chris LAS check it out show. it's new, yeah, it's, new. <laughs> it's new it's brand new yep. and get, they're only doing 140 characters this Thursday totally what about you like maybe you got some new CES videos coming oh, out oh yeah I've been, like I've been tweeting up a storm where should we follow you follow me on the Twitters at Nunes
3: oh. N-U-N-E-S and all my CES coverage is at geekgamer.tv posted we got about 7 or 8 different segments including you just put one up on that new um, Project Christine yeah that it's new so sexy PC. it is so sexy that's really cool I got to touch one of the modules um, oh Nice. Yeah, I touched it.
0: Now, don't forget, we want to hear your feedback. So, go to JupiterBroadcasting.com, pop that contact link, or get a hold of us in the Unfiltered subreddit, or even better, join us live on a Wednesday over at JBLive.tv. Go to uh, JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that in your local time.
3: Yeah. And you know what? I got to say, you guys, thanks for joining us. It's great to be back in the new year. We'll see you right back here next, next week. <laughs>